I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop. Uh, writing and exile uh, have always been on intimate terms. Uh, our understanding of uh, the modern condition has been powerfully shaped uh, by exiled writers from Conrad and Nabokov to Adorno and Arendt to Bolaño, Césaire, and Darwish. In the exiled imagination, uh, nothing can be taken for granted. Uh, the language you speak, the passport you carry, your possessions and routines, of course, where you live. Uh, it's not surprising that we so often turn to the writing uh, of exiles uh, to better understand our world marked as it is by war, refugee crises, uh, population movements. The writing of exile helps us to understand the souls behind the statistics. Perhaps as a result of this literature, exile has come to acquire a kind of a cachet, a, a, a mystique. Uh, these days, the exiled writer uh, cuts an almost romantic figure as dissident, as nomad, as exemplary border crosser, as revolutionary, as prophet. Uh, and we run the risk of forgetting that uh, exile is not an experience that anyone would uh, voluntarily choose. Uh, it's a traumatic experience of uprooting and loss, of being wrenched from the comforts of family, uh, geography, tradition. Edward Said put it well when he said that exile is, a, is terribly interesting to think about, but, but terrible to experience. Uh, it's my pleasure to be joined by three writers who uh, have known exile uh, and uh, uh, who've written about it, who've made it a, a major theme of their work. Uh, to my far right is uh, Atik Rahimi, uh, who is a filmmaker and a novelist. Uh, his 2008 novel, The Patient Stone, uh, his first novel to be written uh, in French, uh, has recently been translated. It won the Prix Goncourt. Uh, uh, Atik Rahimi is uh, originally from Kabul. Uh, he was born there in 1956 and fled in the early 1980s. I believe it was 1984 uh, uh, during the uh, Soviet invasion. Uh, he fled to Pakistan and eventually uh, settled in Paris, where he attended the Sorbonne. Uh, and established himself as a filmmaker and a maker of television documentaries, I believe. Uh, he's currently at work on an adaptation of The Patient Stone uh, for, for the screen uh, with the uh, great uh, screenwriter uh, Jean-Claude Carrière. Um, 
to my right uh, is Tahar Ben Jaloun, uh, a celebrated uh, writer in France. Uh, he was born in 1944 in Fez. In 1966, uh, he was arrested for uh, participating in a political demonstration against uh, King Hassan. In 1971, around the time that his journal, Souffle, uh, uh, a path-breaking uh, journal of uh, North African political and literary commentary, was banned, uh, he uh, left uh, for France, uh, moved back and forth, and was only able to spend long periods of time there, as far as I understand, um, uh, after the death of King Hassan and uh, his uh, son's succession. Uh, in 1987, uh, he won the Prix Goncourt for his novel La Nuit Sacrée, The Sacred Night. Uh, he's published, uh, I believe, 16 novels, uh, works of political commentary, uh, essays, uh, and poetry. Uh, uh, his uh, most recent novel to be translated in English uh, is called Partir, or uh, translated as Leaving Tangier. Uh, and he has recently published in translation a collection of poetry, uh, originally published in 1991, called The Rising of the Ashes, about uh, Iraq and Palestine. Uh, to my left is Eli Amir. Eli Amir is a writer of Iraqi Jewish origin, born in Baghdad in 1937. He was part of a wave of uh, over 120,000 uh, Jews who uh, fled Iraq uh, in the early 1950s, and one of the, uh, quite a remarkable uh, story. Um, which bears, which actually is recounted uh, in his uh, uh, novel, *The Dove Flyer*, which has recently been translated into English. I believe it's his fourth novel, but the first to be translated into English. Um, and Eli Amir, of course, grew up speaking Arabic, but has written in Hebrew. So the, the question of language, as you can see, is is important for all three writers in, in different ways. Um, Tahar Benjaloun uh, writes in French, um, not in Arabic, I should, should mention. Um, we're going to start very broadly by talking about the place uh, of exile uh, in their work. Um, and I think we'll, we're going to start with, uh, with Atik Rahimi. Uh, I'm so sorry for my English. Uh, I'm in exile not only in another country, but another, in another language, French. So now here in London, it's my second exile in English. So, but uh, I try to speak French. It's better, I think. Oui, à chaque fois qu'on pose la question sur euh, l'exil, la place de, de l'exil dans mon travail. Every time I'm asked the question about exile and the place of exile, the, the, the position that exile has within my work, je, je raconte une histoire drôle. I tell people a funny story. Euh, cette histoire, je ne sais pas, vous avez déjà entendu parler de Molana Sroudin, je crois. I've, I imagine you've already heard talk of Molana Sroudin. Ah, C'est un personnage légendaire, humoristique, qui se trouve dans toute la, la région, euh, enfin, Moyen-Orient. And he's a legendary a comic figure that's well known in, in the Orient. On raconte qu'un soir, il était en train de chercher quelque chose dans la rue sous un, sous un lampadaire. One night, he was looking for something in the street, just underneath a lamppost. Quelqu'un qui passait, il voit un peu perdu, il dit, Moullah Nasruddin, as-tu perdu quelque chose il... And someone saw him and they said to him, Moullah, have you lost something il dit, oui, j'ai perdu la clé de ma maison. And he said, yes, I've lost the keys to my house. Donc, lui-même, il se met à chercher avec lui cette so, clé. So this person who was passing by helps him try to find the key. 
Au bout de cinq minutes, il s'arrête parce qu'il n'arrive pas à trouver lui non plus. And after five minutes, he stops as well because he can't find the key either. Et là, il demande à Ulmah Hasudin, mais est-ce que tu es sûr d'avoir perdu tes clés ici? And he, then he says to Ulmah Hasudin, Are you sure that you've lost your keys here? Il dit non, je l'ai perdu chez moi. And he said, No, I lost my keys at home. Il dit mais alors pourquoi tu ne cherches pas chez toi? So he said, Why are you not looking at home? Why are you looking here outside in the street? Il dit parce que chez moi il n'y a pas de lumière. He said because at home there isn't any light. <laughs> So, euh, pour moi, l'exil, cette histoire raconte très très bien l'exil. So for me, this story really exemplifies what exile means. What exile means. Parce que mon pays est tombé justement dans la noirceur de terreur. Because my country really fell into the darkness of terror. Dans la noirceur de guerre. And war. Là-bas, j'ai perdu, bien sûr, mes clés, mes clés de liberté, ma clé d'identité. So there, I did lose my keys. I lost my keys to liberty. I lost my keys to my identity. Donc, je prends le chemin là où il y a de la lumière, de la liberté. So therefore, I'll choose a path where there's liberty, where there's light. Mais sachant que je ne trouverai jamais les clés. Hein. But I'll never find the keys. Donc, mais par contre, je les crée dans mon imaginaire. But I create these keys in my imagination. Donc, écriture, so, tout ça, by writing, c'est une recherche permanente writing is just a permanent research de cette clé for this key, et la création de cette clé dans l'imaginaire. And the creation of the key in my imagination. Et le pape, justement, le, la feuille blanche devient justement cette terre perdue. And the white piece of paper becomes this lost land. Et c'est pourquoi j'écris, c'est pourquoi je suis là. And that's why I write, and that's why I'm here. Je crois le moment où on commence à écrire. I think from the moment when you start writing, on est exilé. You're exiled. You're in Not, exile. Voilà. You know, it's interesting that um, you, you draw a, a very stark contrast between, between Afghanistan as this place of war and conflict and, and darkness and and uh, and you know, your place of exile, Paris, um, as this place of freedom, enlightenment, etc., etc. Um, and uh, with all due respect to Paris, which is a city I love, um, uh, I imagine that the experience um, of that place of exile is in, in some ways much more ambiguous. And I mean, this is actually would be a nice way to, to transition to, to Tahar Benjaloun, uh, whose novel, Partir, is in large part about the troubled landscape of the exile and the difficulties that this character Azel finds himself in uh, when he goes to Spain. Uh, he goes in search of liberty and he finds something that's quite different and much more uh, disconcerting. Bonjour, je vais parler en français comme Atik. I'm going to speak in French as Atik spoke in French. Nous sommes tous les deux des Français de deuxième catégorie. And we're both, in fact, a second category, so second class French people. Mais nous défendons la langue française, quand même. But we nevertheless defend the French language. Mais, mais j'avoue que si nous avions été colonisés par la, les, les Anglais au Maroc, if we had been colonized by the British in Morocco, Peut-être qu'aujourd'hui, j'écrirais directement en anglais. Hein. Maybe I'd have written directly in English. Et notre ami n'aurait pas de travail <laughs> aujourd'hui. <laughs> bon, euh, comme je disais tout à l'heure à, à notre ami, l'exil, bien sûr que tout écrivain euh, est, est un exilé parce que la littérature est, est vraiment la patrie principale de l'exil. 
même si on est chez soi, à la maison, dans le pays. As Adam said, in a way, all writers are exiled because literature is your homeland. Even though, even though you're at home, uh, in, in your home, literature, in a way, is exiling, is your kind of exile. Je me souviens d'une un, phrase de Pavese qui disait que l'exil le, le, est un dur métier. I remember Cesare Pavese writing a sentence which said that exile was a very hard job. Mais dans, dans, dans mon cas, l'exil est, est vraiment linguistique. In my case, the exile is, 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 is basically a linguistic exile. Alors vous imaginez, euh, mes parents ne parlent pas un mot de français. My parents don't speak a word of French. Et, et moi j'écrivais dans une langue qu'ils ne comprennent pas. And I was writing in a language that they couldn't understand. Ça m'arrangeait parce que comme ça je pouvais dire beaucoup de mal d'eux. And it suited me because then I could say all kinds of nasty things about them. En fait, j'ai pas dit beaucoup de mal, I mais, didn't really. mais mais j'ai dit des choses que qu'ils n'aimeraient pas euh, entendre. But I said things that they would not have liked to have heard. Euh, notamment, euh, notamment sur euh, la condition de la femme. Especially with regard to the condition of women. Et mon premier roman, euh, mon premier roman, c'était c'était l'histoire d'une d'une vieille prostituée euh, qui nous montrait son sexe euh, quand on lui donnait un peu de sucre et, et je racontais cette, cette espèce vous avez des enfants de 4-5 ans qui, qui couraient derrière une vieille clocharde et, et ça commençait comme ça mais Well, my first story, in fact, was a story of an old prostitute who used to uh, show her undercarriage whenever you uh, gave her a piece of sugar. And so uh, lots of children used to run after her and, 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 and um, give her sugar. And obviously I wasn't able to tell my mother all that, or my father that story. Et pendant, pendant longtemps, ils ont cru que j'étais un, un écrivain gentil. And for a long time, they thought I was a really, very sort of well reserved writer. I was a sort of good boy in a way. Et, et surtout quand, lorsque j'ai eu le, le prix Goncourt, alors, alors que j'étais, j'étais une victime de Hassan II, et Hassan II m'avait décoré. Alors ils ont dit si Hassan II, c'est le roi du Maroc, l'a décoré, c'est que c'est un garçon bien. And when I won the prix Goncourt, and in fact I was actually a victim of Hassan II. Um, They said, "Oh well, if he won the Prix Goncourt, and in fact Hassan, du, Hassan II decorated him, then he must be good. He must be a good boy." Mais en même temps, euh, je, personne ne peut contester qu'un écrivain c'est d'abord quelqu'un qui n'est pas gentil et qui et qui surtout surtout euh, n'est pas très correct parce que si sinon pourquoi écrire? But everybody must recognize that really a writer is not somebody who is just there to be nice or to be kind, um, because otherwise, what would the point of writing be? Et alors, euh, il m'est arrivé par exemple dans, dans un, un, un de mes derniers livres euh, sur ma mère, ça s'appelle Sur ma mère. Euh, ma mère est décédée, mais j'étais resté avec elle pendant trois ans jusqu'à la fin de sa vie euh, pour l'aider à, à mourir. Et, Pardon. In, in one of my last books, which was called On My Mother, and in fact it's a book about my mother, and I stayed with my mother for the last three years of her life to help her die. Et je raconte, je raconte ces, ces moments de, de, de grand désespoir, de, de dégradation physique et mentale. And I write about these moments of enormous despair, of physical and mental degradation. Parce que ma mère avait, avait l'Alzheimer et puis elle ne se souvenait plus de rien. Because my mother had Alzheimer's and she couldn't remember anything anymore. Et moi j'étais là et, et, et je, je, devais, je devais continuer à la, à la, à la voir. Et dans le, dans le livre, ce qui, qui est plutôt un roman, hein, une fiction, je, je, je dis à un certain moment, quand je me penchais sur ma mère, j'ai dit, ce matin, 
ma mère sans la merde. And I was there and uh, watching, watching this happen to her. And my book, in a way, was a kind of more of a novel, was more of a work of fiction. But I wrote in my novel at one point, I leant, of, I leant over my mother and my mother smelt of shit. Parce qu'elle ne savait pas ce qu'elle faisait et c'était quelque chose, c'était le rôle de l'écrivain de tout dire. Because she didn't know what was going on, she didn't know what she was doing, and that was the horror of the writer of having to say everything. Mais quand mes frères ont lu le livre, ils étaient très fâchés contre moi. And when my brothers read the book, they were really furious against me. Ils disaient, ça se dit pas des choses comme ça. They said, you mustn't say things like that. Ils disaient, justement, l'écrivain est celui qui dit ce qu'il ne faut pas dire. And I said, well, precisely, the writer is the person who can't say what mustn't be said. He doesn't, he doesn't want to understand. Il ne veut pas comprendre que l'écrivain c'est 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 quelqu'un qui qui justement perturbe tous les ordres et toutes les corrections. My brothers didn't want to understand that the person who writes is the person who's actually going to be completely free about what he can say. Bon, le, 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 fait, le fait, bien sûr, d'écrire dans une autre langue m'a autorisé à, à, à dire beaucoup de choses. Et je crois que si j'avais, si j'écrivais en arabe, et ça c'est une question qu'on va poser tout à l'heure à Amir, si, si j'écrivais euh, en arabe, lui il écrit en hébreu, peut-être que je n'aurais pas dit tout ça. Le fait que j'écrivais dans une autre langue m'a permis de pouvoir dire toutes sortes de choses que je n'aurais pas nécessairement écrit si j'avais écrit en arabe. Et possiblement, nous pouvons demander à Ellie plus tard aussi si c'est le même cas pour lui. Mais, mais, les, mais la, la question de l'exil, euh, ben, elle me préoccupe tous les jours. Alors, il y a évidemment, j'écris sur les exilés, j'écris beaucoup sur l'immigration. Euh, mais en même temps, euh, je me considère dans un exil permanent, même quand je suis au Maroc, mon pays. Exile is something that concerns me, preoccupies me every single day. I write a lot about immigration and I write a lot about those who are exiled. But even when I find myself back in my country, in Morocco, I still feel in exile. Alors, tout à l'heure, Adam me dit, bon, comment je vais vous présenter euh, écrivain français, écrivain marocain Je lui dis, écrivain, point. And, uh, just writer. Adam just said to me, you know, I'm going to introduce French writer, Moroccan writer. And I said, no, don't talk about French or Moroccan. Just say, I'm a writer. Mais... L'année dernière, j'ai vu notre ami Salman Rajdé et puis je discutais un peu avec lui, avec mon très mauvais anglais, mais il m'a compris. Je, je lui dis alors, you British, writer British, British, ou Indian writer, il dit, non, Indian writer. <laughs> Last year, I met Salman Rushdie and I managed to communicate with him even though I speak very bad English. And I said to him, Are you a British writer or are you an Indian writer? And he said, No, I'm an Indian writer. Vous voyez, même quand j'essaie de parler anglais, elle traduit en anglais. Bon, mais je lui ai dit, Pourquoi tu te considères comme un écrivain indien? And I said to him, Why do you consider yourself as an Indian writer? Il m'a dit, Parce que je ne parle que de l'Inde dans mes livres. And he said, Because in my books, I only talk about India. Je dis, Mais. Mais, mais moi aussi, je parle que du Maroc et je ne me considère pas un écrivain marocain. Et puis à la fin, je dis, écoute, ce sont des discussions, ce sont des questions de douanier. Parce que c'est, il faut toujours des passeports. Vous êtes quoi Il faut savoir. Vous êtes marocain, français. Et la question que me pose toujours, et d'ailleurs mon, mon éditeur Gary qui est là m'a posé tout à l'heure pendant le déjeuner, il m'a dit, tu rêves en français ou en arabe La question que j'ai toujours posée, et en fait Gary, mon publisher, m'a aussi posé la question au lunch, il m'a dit, tu rêves en français ou en arabe 
Alors j'ai dit quand je rêve de mes parents, j'y rêve en arabe. Et quand je rêve d'autres personnes, je crois que je crois, mais je suis pas sûr. Je rêve en image. And I said when I dream about my parents, and I dream in Arabic, I think. And then when I dream about other people, I just dream in images. I believe so anyway. Voilà. Enfin tout ça pour vous dire simplement que euh, un écrivain, il n'y euh, a pas pire qu'un écrivain qui se qui est, qui est très content de, de, de lui et très content d'être de, de, dans, un, dans un bocal et qui, a, et qui raconte son, sa petite société, etc. Je, je crois qu'il euh, faut être Proust pour faire ça. Or, il n'y a pas beaucoup de Proust dans l'écriture. Il faut être euh, James Joyce, euh, il n'y en a pas beaucoup. Et, et, et c'est pour cela qu'un écrivain est forcément quelqu'un qui est sur la route, ailleurs, et qui regarde même sa société avec une, une distance nécessaire. And so I think that one, one can only be self-satisfied or write as though one were in a fishbowl if you're Proust or James Joyce, but there are not many Proust or James Joyces around. And I think that if you're a regular writer, you'll just be on the road and you'll be looking at society uh, with a critical eye. Um, Ellie, uh, you were 13 Thank you. Uh, when you left Iraq. Um, and you, you've, never, you've never returned, never seen it, and yet Iraq is very much at the center of your work. It so happened that I met in Germany and here in England uh, Muslim readers, Iraqi leaders. And last time I was here, when the book was published, I was invited to a Muslim Iraqi club uh, there to speak about the book. And I spoke in Muslim dialects, in Arabic, there. And at the end of that evening, they started to sing. And I found myself, an Israeli, singing songs that I heard when I was a child, some 67, almost 65 years ago. And then I asked myself, oh my God, who am I? Iraqi, Jew, Arab, mixture of them. Who am I here, standing here and singing with those people? And who are they who came to respect me, buy my book, talk to me? And they share with me the experience. They adapted Baghdad and they adapted the story that I wrote and they said, this is our country. So the conflict, this Uh, conflict of being torn apart between two countries, two cultures, I think it's part of my nature. And would you say that fiction is an ideal vehicle for exploring that ambiguity and multiplicity of identity and the fact that we sometimes do feel disorientated between the different forces and uh, uh, contending within us? Yeah, definitely yes. By the way, this was the way we accepted in, in, in Israel, for example, although three, four writers who came from Arab countries became extremely famous writers there, and our books and my books are part of the curricula at school. You know, we have a special shelf, so to speak. These are the Arab writers, uh, the Oriental writers, the ethnic writers, and the problem is how to become part of the center. All my life, I wanted to be part of the center. And uh, here, when I achieved what I achieved, as a matter of fact, I am still, in a way, an outsider. And I can never feel 
I don't know how Atig and Taher feels about that. I cannot feel that I am, let's say, an Israeli born or part of the country, although I'm master of the Hebrew language and uh, I speak on behalf of uh, my people there. Uh, still, I feel sometimes that I am outsider here and they have this conflict between the two cultures that I live and I sometimes I feel that I'm still working on forming my identity as who I am in the world. Writing became, as Tahar said, before my home. The moment I started to write, I felt safe, I felt secure. And uh, if you take the writing from me, I will get lost. Uh, Atik and Tahar were both talking about um, exile as, as um, providing a kind of exile in, in place or in languages, providing a kind of freedom to, to say things that one might not feel comfortable saying or might one might feel imperiled to say at home or, or for that matter, in Tahar's case, in, in Arabic. Um, uh, what I'm wondering, though, is does, does exile, in your view, uh, allow you to see certain things that you might not otherwise see? Does it, does it, uh, does it enlarge or enhance your perception? Does it distort it? Um, uh, I mean, Ellie has been uh, writing about a country he hasn't seen since uh, 1950. I'm, the, the, the country of the imagination must diverge considerably from, from the, uh, uh, the actual country. I mean, you're, you're writing about a place of memory, and memory is notoriously unreliable. Oui, je crois l'exil, mais enfin cette distance que donne par rapport à la culture d'origine, par rapport à la langue d'origine, par rapport à la société d'origine de l'exilé, ça crée justement un autre regard. Là, après 18 ans d'exil, quand je rentre en Afghanistan en 2002, bien sûr, je regarde ce pays avec un autre regard, avec une autre vision. Pendant 18 ans, j'ai vécu en France, j'ai connu une autre culture, une autre civilisation, j'ai connu l'Europe, j'ai voyagé, et j'ai vu une autre manière de penser, bien sûr. Well, I believe that exile certainly obviously creates a distance. It creates distance as far as your culture is concerned, as far as your language is concerned, as far as your society is concerned, your culture, language, and society of origin. And you look at it, you look at, you look at these things very differently. And after 18 years in exile, when I went back to Afghanistan in 2002, once again, I looked at Afghanistan quite differently because for the 18 years previously, I had discovered a new culture, I discovered a new civilization, I traveled throughout Europe. Euh, voilà, et euh, c'est pour. Il y a aussi il y a une des raisons. Après ce retour en 2002, euh, et d'un seul coup, je me suis senti incapable d'écrire en, en persan. Parce qu'avant 2002, euh, tout ce que j'écrivais, c'était en persan dans ma langue maternelle. Mais après ce retour, lorsque j'ai retrouvé ma propre culture, mes origines, d'un seul coup, tout, mais, il m'était impossible de continuer en persan. Donc, ce livre, euh, mon dernier livre, euh, Pierre de Patience, est écrit en français. Justement, c'est peut-être à cause de ça, parce que je ne me sentais plus sorte de, en, en exil. Moi, j'avais maintenant le choix de retourner dans mon pays. Mais, encore, je cherchais une autre chose. Donc, pour moi, c'était la langue qui est devenue justement un pays d'exil. Et puis, le, euh, euh, le livre était justement une sorte de, 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 de distance par rapport à, à mon propre pays, à mes origines. 
il y a ça. Et deuxième chose, justement, c'était si je n'étais pas en exil, je n'aurais jamais écrit Pierre de Patience et avoir ce regard sur la femme afghane. J'aurais parlé, comme beaucoup d'autres écrivains afghans, des femmes afghanes, justement comme victimes. On parle justement de la femme sous le voile, parler que des conditions sociales, etc. Mais je n'aurais pas... Euh, Justement, cette, euh, euh, cette provocation, en quelque sorte, <laughs> et euh, parler de la sexualité de cette manière. Well, after I returned to um, Afghanistan in 2002, um, I was no longer able to write in my mother tongue. Um, it was a choice that I made. I suddenly realized that I could no longer write in my mother tongue, and so when I wrote The Patient Stone, I wrote it in French, and that was a specific choice that I made. So in a way, I was kind of choosing an exile in the language as well. Um, and I would never have written the patient stone in my mother tongue. Um, you know, if in my mother tongue I may have written about women, I may have written about women who were victims or the women who had to wear veils, I would have talked about their social conditions, but I would never have written something as provocative. I would never have written about sexuality in the way that I wrote about in that particular, in, in my latest book. An écrivain, c'est quand même un traducteur. Il, il traduit euh, sa société, il traduit ses racines et il traduit aussi les silences de sa société. Un writer est un kind of translator. Il écrit sur sa société, sur ses roots et il écrit sur les silences within la société. Je parle des racines parce que il euh, y a eu des, des écrivains qui sont partis. Euh, physiquement en Australie ou au Canada, peu importe, très très loin de leur, de leur pays, et qui ont continué quand même à, à écrire uniquement sur leur pays. I talk about roots because there are some writers who decided to travel very far, who went to Australia, who went to Canada, and who went very far from home. Ce que je veux dire, c'est que nos racines, nous les portons en nous, et même si nous allons en enfer, on continuera de parler du pays comme un paradis. But we carry our roots within us, and even if we go to hell, we will still carry on talking about our country as though it were a paradise. Et alors je donne le cas de quelqu'un que j'aime beaucoup et qui et qui me pose un problème en ce moment, c'est Milan Kundera. I'd like to give you an example of someone who I am very fond of, but who is giving rise to a problem at the moment. Milan Kundera. Kundera écrit en français depuis à peu près 22 ans. Kundera has been writing in French for about 22 years. Et Kundera a acquis sa, sa célébrité et son importance dans le monde littéraire grâce à ses livres écrits en tchèque. And he acquired his celebrity and his, 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 his reputation in the literary world thanks to his books that were written in Czech. Et nous aimons tous ces, ces livres, ces romans qui, qui nous parlent de la Tchécoslovaquie, que ce soit, que ce soit la plaisanterie, euh, amour irrisible, euh, la, 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 la légèreté de l'être, l'immortalité, etc. Nous avons aimé ces livres parce que c'était une traduction de la Tchécoslovaquie. And we liked his book because his books, uh, for example, the joke, the unbearable lightness of being, and so on. We liked those books because they were a reflection of Czechoslovakia. Et alors, Kundera, quand il s'est installé en France, il est devenu français. Il s'est mis à écrire en français. When he came to France, he started and he became French. He started writing in French. Et puis il a fait, il s'est mis à, à, à parler de quelque chose d'autre que la Tchécoslovaquie. And he started talking about something different to Czechoslovakia. 
La France, la Suisse. France, Switzerland. Et alors là, il y a un problème. And that, then you really get a problem. Moi qui suis un admirateur, <rire> je dis, je ne marche plus. J'étais pas seul, il y a eu des, des milliers de lecteurs qui n'ont pas suivi. Mais comme Kundera est quelqu'un de très compliqué, très difficile de discuter avec lui. Et j'avais envie de lui dire, Milan, s'il te plaît, reviens chez toi. And I felt like saying to him, Milan, please come back home. Pas forcément physiquement. Not necessarily physically. Mais raconte-nous ton pays. C'est dire que le, le conflit qui est actuellement, enfin c'est une interprétation personnelle, qu'il y a entre Kundera et la littérature, c'est qu'il pense qu'il peut écrire à l'insu de ses racines. And the conflict, and this is my personal interpretation, is that Kundera, as far as literature is concerned, feels that he can write about things other than his roots. J'ai le cas d'un autre, de quelqu'un qui n'est pas connu, un ami qui est libanais. I've got the example of somebody else who's not well known, who's a friend, who's Lebanese. Il a publié deux très bons romans il y a une quinzaine d'années. He published two very good novels about 15 years ago. Sur la guerre civile au, au Liban. With regard to the civil war in Lebanon. Il s'appelle comment <laughs> Il s'appelle Fawaz Rassel. Oh, his name is Fawaz Rassel. Et, et Fawaz, il a, il voulait pas qu'on dise de lui c'est un écrivain libanais. And Fawaz didn't want to be considered as a Lebanese writer. Didn't want it to be said that he was a Lebanese writer. Et il s'est mis à écrire des romans sur la France. And then he started writing novels about France. Où il y a que des Français. Where there are only French people. Et ça ne marchait pas du tout. Really L'éditeur ne voulait pas les publier. The moi, publisher. je les lis, je lui dis, mais écoute, moi, j'ai moi, envie de te retrouver dans, dans, dans ce que tu écris. Il écrit très bien, en plus. Ce n'est pas la question de technique. Et il me dit, je ne veux pas être un écrivain ethnique. And he said to me, I do not want to be an ethnic writer. Je dis, mais nous sommes tous des écrivains ethniques. And I said, but we're all ethnic writers. Vous imaginez prendre un livre de euh, Saramago qui vient de nous quitter et il nous parle de la, de, 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 du Danemark. Because can you imagine taking a book by Sarabamo who's just died and that he'd be writing about Denmark? Ou alors on va prendre, euh, je sais pas moi, le, euh, euh, Vargas Llosa qui va nous parler euh, d'une île, d une, d une, d une, je sais pas moi, de la Corée du Nord. And Vargas Llosa that's going to write about North Korea. C'est pas que nous devons tous raconter notre pays, mais. It's not that we all have to write about our own quand, countries. Quand on prend un bouquin, on a envie de retrouver. Les racines de celui qui raconte. Mais les racines, c'est un point de départ. On peut les dépasser, on peut les transformer et tout. Mais je ne crois pas qu'il existe, que ce soit en exil ou chez lui, un écrivain de, comme ça, dans l'absolu, déraciné. But I think that we can't have a writer who is not who's, who's, who has no roots. I don't think it's possible. I think possibly you can go beyond your roots, but I don't think you can just cut off your roots. On prend, on prend Proust, par exemple. Proust n'a fait que Proust. parler de lui. Proust just talks about himself the whole time. Mais, mais en parlant de lui, il a parlé de la société du début 19, du 20e siècle. But by talking about himself, he talked about society of the 19th century. 
Et, et, et la même chose pour Céline. Same la même Céline. chose euh, pour euh, Joyce. And James Joyce. C'est, alors, vous imaginez Joyce en train de, de, de nous faire un roman méditerranéen. Can you imagine Joyce writing a Mediterranean novel? <rire> Qui se passe en Andalousie avec des toreros et tout ça. In Andalusia with various toreadors. C'est... But it's not, it's not surprising that, that, that writers would, would, would fight against the, this burden of representation. I mean, uh, think about someone like James Baldwin. When he, when he finally got around to writing a novel about, uh, about homosexuality, uh, Giovanni's Room, uh, all the characters were white. I mean, it's one of his more interesting and not entirely satisfying novels. I mean, it is understandable, isn't it? Yes, d'imposer une vision du monde qui qui ne qui ne crée pas qui ne qui ne pas agréé par la société. Yes, but nevertheless he's trying to impose a vision of the world that's not approved of by society. Mais mais l'écrivain n'a pas à faire plaisir à la société. And and the writer should not actually please the society, give pleasure to society. Il y a des écrivains qui 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 font des best-sellers extraordinaires, mais 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 c'est c'est des écrivains du bonheur. There are some, some writers that do write extraordinary bestsellers, but they're the sort of um, writers of happiness. Mais le bonheur, c'est le plus mauvais roman possible. And happiness, writing about happiness is the worst possible novel. C'est un roman qui tient en, en deux phrases. Ils se sont rencontrés, ils se sont aimés, il n'y a pas eu de problème, ils ont eu des enfants, ils sont morts, c'est très bien. Ça, c'est un roman sur le bonheur. Mais ils n'étaient pas faits pour se rencontrer, ils se rencontraient, il y a eu plein de conflits, et je commence à raconter les conflits, les bagarres de société, etc., les enfants qui naissent tordus, etc., et puis les voisins qui veulent... Bah, ça, ça fait déjà toute une histoire. Mais le plus intéressant novel est quand les gens écrivent sur des gens qui se sont rencontrés et qui ne devraient pas avoir tous ensemble, et puis il y a eu un enfant qui était vraiment déformé, et c'est le genre d'histoire que les gens... c'est beaucoup plus fascinant. C'est quand un jour on a demandé à, à Georges Simenon, qui écrivait beaucoup... Il était avec un ami dans un, dans un café euh, euh, en Belgique et... He was with a friend in a cafe. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. In Belgium. Il, il lui a dit, mais comment tu fais pour raconter des histoires Tu as tout le temps des histoires. And his friend said to him, well, how can you tell all these stories all the time You have loads of stories that you keep on writing about. Alors, Simon lui dit, moi, je, je regarde autour de moi. Simon said, I just look around me. L'autre lui a dit, moi aussi, je regarde autour de moi, mais je raconte said, I look pas around me, but I don't tell any stories. <laughs> Alors, il dit, mais attends, regarde, je te donne un exemple. He said, well, look, I'll give you an example. Tu vois, nous sommes dans ce café. Hein? You see where in this café La caissière, tu la connais. And you see the cashier, you know her. Il dit oui, elle, elle, elle s'appelle Mireille. Yes, he said she's called Mireille. Bon, 
C'est qui Mireille And so, Simon said, well, who is Mireille C'est la fille du patron. She's the boss's daughter. Alors, et Simon lui dit, et si c'était pas sa fille And Simon said, and what about if it weren't her daughter, if, he went her, if she weren't his daughter, sorry. Alors, voilà comment commence un roman. So that's how you begin a novel. Maybe she's not his daughter. Il y a l'apparence. So there's what, et puis ce que l'écrivain, il, il fait comme ça, il regarde, il regarde derrière, derrière les rideaux ou sous le tapis pour voir les blessures de la société. C'est ça. And what the writer does, he kind of looks, he lifts the curtain, he looks behind the curtain or he lifts the carpet to look at the real, the, the injuries of society. The, the, the scars of society, or the wounds, sorry, the wounds of society. Mais cette idée que l'écrivain doit être positif, c'est affreux. On But the pas. idea that a writer's got to be positive is pas appalling. Possible. You can't be. I don't think anyone's proposing that. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just, just concerned that we're becoming almost exiled from the topic of exile. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, he was just talking, uh, Tahar was just talking about looking behind that curtain, and, and, and since we were talking about... Um, whether exile enlarges or in some ways distorts perception, I'm wondering, um, is it difficult at all? I mean, what are the challenges of writing about a country that you haven't seen since you were um, a teenager and which, in all likelihood, uh, you'll never see again? Um, uh, you know, we often speak about exile as something that um, confers powers of understanding and perception, and yet, I mean, for example, in the case of Iraq, uh, the role that exiles played in the fantasy of the Iraq war um, has been, you know, less than honorable. It was, it was uh, partly uh, um, uh, the fantasy of a, of, a, of a democratic liberal Iraq uh, uh, by force of arms was partly scripted by Iraqi exiles in London and D.C. who were eagerly taken up uh, by the Americans. So I'm wondering, what, what, what do you see as the challenges of writing about this place? <coughs> I think that the child that we care <coughs> with ourselves he is the real writer. He is the motivation of writing. And uh, I don't have difficulties to write about my Baghdad. But I would, uh, and I would never write about uh, Baghdad today, for example, because I don't know it and I didn't, uh, I am not leaving it. I, I can write books and tell endless story <laughs> about the Baghdads that I carry with me since I was a child. And uh, I think that this experience, we are talking about exile, I would like to say that there is something good about it, because these two exiles, or even more, enriched our life. We are now different people, carrying with us different experiences and different stories, and uh, uh, that is extremely important for a writer to do. The problem is, of course, the language. If you master the new language or not, or which language you, uh, for example, I myself uh, listen to my stories in the Jewish Arabic dialect in Baghdad, and only then I write it. I translated from Arabic that I hear to the Hebrew. And sometimes I feel that I don't write it exactly what I wanted to say. 
But I think that this is, <coughs> this is a fact of life that I have to deal with it. <coughs> Sometimes I write something which is specifically Israeli, uh, that happened in Israel. Then, only then, I can listen to the story in Hebrew. But uh, I, um, other than that, I write uh, when I hear the voices of my mother and my father and my uncle and people around me in Baghdad or in Iraqi society as well, telling me a story and give me the inspiration for writing. Uh, but I, uh, something, something that's peculiar. I was in Egypt many times. I was translated into uh, Arabic and published in Egypt, which is not so, it doesn't happen uh, uh, every day there. And the book was, uh, got enormous exposure there. And uh, so one night, a group of uh, Egyptian writers and myself, one of them said to the crowd, look at Eli Amir. Eli Amir pretended that he was born in Baghdad. Don't trust him. He is Egyptian. He is born here because the music of his book is an Egyptian music. I wrote there about Um Kathum, the very famous singer there, and other singers of, the, of Egypt. And he said, the music of your writing is uh, Arabic music. Now they are publishing the Doflar in Arabic, mm. and then it will be interested to see mm. how, they, how they react mm. to it. Uh, we have three writers. The two on your left from Afghanistan and from Morocco are real exiles because the truth is they abandoned their countries and they have even from, uh, I, I can hear French and I understand and I can hear, they are French. When I hear, on the other hand, El Amir, I hear Arabic, and I ask myself why, and there is a good reason. I was born in Iraq, and for 20 years I lived in Iraq, and um, almost every day of my life I had to recite in the class uh, for the, uh, when you assembly in the assembly, a song which says, the Arab land is my country. From Baghdad um, sir, to I'm Damascus. Just, um, sir, uh, if, if you could ask a question, because rather than a no, speech, you could ask no, a question. No, no, it is not. I'm trying to give you a different flavor. And okay, I will. A question, conclude, though, would be welcome. I conclude by this that in the case of Eli Amir, he is really uh, uh, singing and writing in the same country and the same language because those who know Arabic and Hebrew well, they know, in fact, it is the same imagery and the same language. So I don't know whether I want to call him an exile. Well, we're not really here to define the people on the panel, and if anything, we're here to raise questions about the definition of exile and to render it more complicated rather than simple. So. Um, I was happy to put it.
Well, it, it, was, it, it was really a valiant effort. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, well, I have a question, just a follow-up on, on what you've said earlier. I mean, it seems that there is a struggle in your um, in your writing and trying to fit into one culture or the other. Okay, I'm trying to, I mean, understand which culture are you trying to fit into? Is it the Arabic or the Israeli? I have two cultures. Uh -huh. I have the Western culture that I um, raised since I was 13 years old in Israel. Uh -huh. And I have my origin in Arab culture that I brought with me from Iraq. And I never gave up, by the way. Mm -hmm. I studied at the university Arabic and Arabic literature. I speak Arabic very often, fluently, okay. every day. I listen to Arabic music. I follow the literature in Egypt and other countries. So I think that I care in myself by having myself two cultures, two languages, and they are extremely important for me, both of them, since I think that we cannot live in the Middle East, for example, without knowing Arabic, without knowing the Arab culture, and without relating to them, as well as the Arabs, when the day comes and they would like to accept us there, they have to know Hebrew and get to understand uh, something about our culture the same way Arabs are living with us are doing in my Well, and that's so understandable. I, that's I mean, coexistence is very important, but what, what I'm trying to say is that I hear like uh, undertones of discrimination in, your, in, in Israel, I mean, against you. Um, as, I mean, they, they think of you as, I mean, an ethnic writer. Look. As an outsider, and you've said it, I mean, out and loud, that okay. you, you, they uh, think I mean, of you is, as is an it not, I mean, is it not a theme in the work of many Iraqi Jewish writers, like Shimon Balas, for example, that, that, that Israel has defined itself in very Eurocentric terms and has treated Arab Jews as almost second-class citizens? Uh, there was a period like that. You have to know that uh, when we came to Israel, uh, the early 50s, they knew nothing about Arab culture, Arab uh, language, I may say. And uh, for them, we were uh, uh, Arab Jews. So from uh, identify ourselves with the enemy of that time, of course, and still. And we have to struggle, as a matter of fact, in order uh, to maintain this culture and to express ourselves in our way. Nowadays, I think all, the, all this is gone. I think we became, I would say, uh, the, uh, uh, in a way, we become the canon of the country. And it's so interesting how much uh, we are popular. Shimon Bala, Sami Mikhail, myself, we are so popular in my, in my country as well, in other countries as well. So, but Israel is different from, I think, from France. People are coming to Israel from 102 different countries, speaking 84 different languages. This is the uh, Babylonian hmm. Tower. But, you know, Eli, I... And there, and there you have differences 
between uh, with different examples. I, d I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, I'm just, I wonder whether it ever strikes you as ironic that you um, uh, fled to a country, resettled in a country was, you know, uh, uh, that um, whose creation resulted in the dispossession of another people. Well, I differ with you in that uh, in this question. I think that the land of Israel, we have been we have been there. The Arabs came in the recent period, and there were periods that we were the majority, and there were periods they were the majority. And uh, so um, I don't think we expelled. We had a war there. People people uh, forget that. Uh, the Arab world and Palestinians started the war in 1947. They did not accept the partition that the United Nations decided upon in 1947. Since that time, they do not accept any compromise between the two people. They want it all. So I don't feel every day I wanted the Palestinians to have their own state. I want the Palestinians to be comfortable and to live a good life in peace side by side with us. I would like, I wish all the best for them as well as a human being. I would like these wars to stop between us and them. I think that we can create a paradise in the Middle East when this war is stopped. And uh, I think that the only way to find that is the partition that we are trying to offer. It's not so easy nowadays, but I think this is the solution. I don't feel, we were expelled from our countries, Arab countries, 860,000 refugees expelled from Arab countries, and we have no other place to go but to Israel. We had to give up our citizenship in Baghdad, we gave our property, and they just threw us from there. So we are refugees as well. What happened in the Middle East is exchange of refugees between the two people. While we did not fought, uh, we did not fight Iraq, but the Palestinians fight Israelis and they uh, threat to throw them to the sea. And I was just wondering, as an exile, surely there's a point at which you become so immersed in, as it were, your host mm -hmm. country, um, that this is kind of something you know more about than the place from which you originated. And at that point, shouldn't, shouldn't you be allowed to write about that country, so France or England? No, it's the contrary Maroc, No, the contrary happens, because the further I get away from the further, longer I've been away from Morocco, the better I get to know it. I'm physically but I'm Par ce pays. I distance myself physically, but I'm always concerned by this country. Bon, et en même temps, euh, on m'a souvent posé la question pourquoi je n'écris pas sur la société française. And at the same time, I've often been asked the question, why don't you write about French society? Euh, en fait, on me, on, on me demande pourquoi je n'écris pas de fiction, parce que j'ai écrit sur la société française, euh, notamment des livres sur le racisme. I have written about French society. I've written books about racism, but not fiction. Et parce que justement, moi, je, je, je J'ai dit que la France a tellement d'écrivains qu'elle n'a pas besoin de moi. And I consider that France has so many writers that they don't need me as well. Et je suis bien placé parce que je suis depuis trois ans à l'Académie Goncourt et je reçois 300 romans maintenant, en ce moment, pour les lire pour septembre. Évidemment, je ne vais pas lire 300, mais 
Tout le monde écrit en France, donc ils ont tellement d'écrivains qu'ils n'ont pas besoin d'un énième écrivain de plus. Because everybody writes in France, so they don't need an nth extra writer. And I'm part of the Académie Goncourt, and I will be part of the judging process for the Goncourt Prize. And I've been sent 300 novels that I have to read supposedly before September, which is unlikely. But I've got 300 novels written by French people. Mais je pense pas qu'il y ait 300 écrivains qui écrivent. Je suis vraiment en, en contact avec euh, la société marocaine parce que, euh, tout simplement, euh, je pense comme pour l'Afghan ou comme pour l'Irakienne, ce sont des sociétés fertiles en, en problèmes, donc elles fournissent beaucoup de matière aux écrivains de fiction. But I am in touch with Moroccan society, just as an Afghani writer will be in touch with Afghanistan and an Iraqi writer with Iraq, because they are societies that are full of problems, and therefore they nourish you, because all these problems can be written about. Parce que justement, le bonheur n'y est pas facile. Because as I said before, happiness is not easy. Donc, par conséquent, c'est bien pour les écrivains. So therefore, it's very good for writers. This is a question for the two writers on um, this side. Just thinking about um, the nature of fiction, and imagining reality. Um, and the fact that both of you have said that literature is your exile. Um, do you ever fear nostalgia um, when you're looking back on um, the country that you're not living in? Do you, fear, do you fear it? Do you embrace it? Is it something that you're conscious of? Euh, Albert Camus avait une phrase magnifique il disait toute la pensée humaine relève de sa nostalgie toute la pensée humaine relève de sa nostalgie Albert Camus a écrit une sentence magnifique qui disait que tout le pensée humaine vient de la nostalgie oui quoi que l'on fasse là on a, on a Eli à parler et Tahar aussi est, on est ancré on a des racines quelque part quoi que l'on fasse on ne peut pas s'en séparer And Eli has said this, and so has Tahar. Uh, whatever we do, we can't uproot ourselves. I mean, we can't cut our roots off. Donc, oui, bien sûr. Euh, vous savez, c'est toujours... On est, on est euh, basculé par deux, deux sentiments très particuliers. C'est la nostalgie et la vengeance, souvent. Mm. So therefore, of course, I mean, we're kind of thrown between two feelings, nostalgia and vengeance. Mm. Donc, oui. Donc ça c'est le premier élan, c'est bien sûr cette nostalgie. Mais ensuite, oui, l'Afghanistan, moi j'ai quitté, quitté l'Afghanistan la première fois quand j'avais 16 ans, donc euh, j'ai passé toute mon enfance là-bas en Afghanistan. Et deuxième fois, j'étais en Inde et puis je suis retourné en Afghanistan et j'ai quitté en 84, donc en gros quand j'avais euh, 22 ans. Donc... Euh, déjà, ce pays, j'avais cette terre, j'avais en moi, je l'ai transporté en moi ailleurs, en France. Et, et quand je suis retourné en 2002, bien sûr, c'était euh, marrant parce que c'était à la fois la nostalgie pour, pour moi, ce pays, mais en même temps ce pays en ruine, ce pays qui a passé tant de, de, de 30 ans de guerre, était un champ de, de, de ruines, un champ de misère, de pauvreté, etc., et là, il y a une certaine violence que j'ai trouvée là-bas. Et aussi, durant ces moments, cette guerre, j'ai perdu mon frère. Mon frère a été tué en Afghanistan, il est resté là-bas. Et, et puis, d'un seul coup, cette nostalgie se transforme en une sorte de vengeance. 
Et j'ai commencé à écrire justement pour venger mon frère. So, in fact, initially, when I was first filled with nostalgia because I left Afghanistan for the first time when I was 16 years old and I went to India and I came back uh, in Afghanistan, back to Afghanistan in 2002. So basically, I had, I had lived in Afghanistan until I was about 22 years old. But when I went back in 84, um, I suddenly saw a different country. In a way, this nostal my no the nostalgia disappeared. Um, there had been 30 years of war in t after 2002. There had been war, misery, poverty. Um, and I could, and, and then there had been an enormous amount of violence. And in fact, I lost my brother during the war. So that first feeling of nostalgia transformed itself into a feeling of vengeance. Moi, je pense à propos de cette question de nostalgie. C'est très. J'aime pas beaucoup la nostalgie euh, parce que je pense que nostalgie, ça veut dire les les les, les souvenirs qui s'ennuient. I don't really like the idea of nostalgia very much because I think it's just memories that are boring normally. Sera rien de, de regretter. And it's pointless regretting, having regrets. Parce que euh, vivre dans la nostalgie, c'est une attitude passive qui ne peut pas euh, déboucher sur la création, au moins une création vive et et perturbante. Because living with nostalgia um, is a kind of passive, uh, a, a, a passive situation whilst if you don't live with nostalgia then that can lead to creation j'ai aucune nostalgie du du maroc de mon enfance ou de ma jeunesse i have no nostalgia for the morocco of my childhood or my youth et je trouve que on il y a pas plus détestable que les gens qui disent ah le bon vieux temps c'était mieux avant cette phrase on entend toujours there's nothing more detestable than people who say, oh, the good old times, such, we had such good old times. I find that absolutely dreadful. Mais, mais, mais l'écrivain, c'est quelqu'un, c'est vrai, qui, qui puise dans, 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 dans le passé euh, ses histoires, il les, il, il, il les modèle selon sa sensibilité. Mais euh, il ne faut surtout pas euh, faire profession de nostalgique, c'est une façon d'arrêter la création littéraire. But and a writer does furrow, dig into the past, but one can't become nostalgic because then that categorically puts a stop to literary creativity. Thank you. I remember reading Amin Malouf's uh, Lebanese writers on identity, and the first thing that he writes, uh, that he wrote, um, is that people always ask him whether he feels more French or le more Lebanese, and he gets very angry um, listening to people's um, uh, people um, when they attempt to split the personality or the identity of a person, and especially as a writer. And I'm wondering whether. Um, you all three um, hear these questions, and how do you react to them? Well, I think both identities are in myself. I don't differentiate between the two. Uh, I, I feel that this is the best way to uh, reflect to it. And I don't think in any case, for example, that I am writing out of nostalgia, I'm writing out of my memory. If you take my memories, I'm nothing. 
my memory give me the memory give me the inspiration <coughs> and then I have that fiction based upon it. The only way to live in peace with yourself is to accept uh, the two difference or the two exiles of the two worlds or maybe the third world that I might live in the future as well. This is the only way that two cultures enriching each other. Je veux répondre par deux anecdotes. La première, nous avons en France un grand, une grande librairie qui s'appelle la FNAC. No, I'd like to tell you two funny stories. Um, in France, we have a, a major bookshop called Fnac. Alors, un jour, j'étais avec, j'étais en province avec mon éditeur, et il m'a dit tiens, on va voir un peu si ton dernier livre est bien, est bien, bien présenté. And one day, I was with my publisher in the provinces, and he said, let's go and have a look to see if your book is properly exhibited. Alors, ils ont une grande table. Il euh, y a, a au-dessus euh, roman français. So they have a large table and there's a sign saying French novels. Alors on se précipite euh, sur so la table. To that table. Roman français. French novels. On trouve euh, Lévy, on trouve euh, euh, pas moi plein de gens qui écrivent. And we find Lévy and a whole bunch of people who write. Beaucoup de gens, enfin bon. Il n'y avait, avait pas mon livre. But my book wasn't there. Alors, mon éditeur me dit, quand même, la FNAC, ça ne va pas. Et pourtant, ils nous ont acheté beaucoup de livres de vous. Alors, on demande à un vendeur, il dit, mais on cherche des livres de M. Benjeloun. Alors, il faut aller dans le rayon étranger. Il dit, mais... Mais il n'est pas étranger. And, and we said, but he's not a foreigner. Et, et le type dit, non, il est étranger, il est Of course he is a foreigner. Et il était impossible de faire entendre au, au, au libraire euh, que j'écrivais en français, donc j'étais un écrivain français. And it was impossible to make them understand that I was French and mm. I wrote in French. Non. La deuxième anecdote, c est, c est, ça m'est arrivé il y a quelques années, il y avait encore euh, l'horrible George Bush euh, euh, aux états unis uh, et, J'étais arrivé, je suis invité par l'université de Princeton, Princeton University had invited me. Et, et, et le doyen m'avait dit, il vaut mieux que vous débarquiez à, à l'aéroport Newark parce que c'est plus proche de Princeton. J'arrive et j'ai un passeport français. Got a French passport. Mais sur le passeport, il y a né à Fès, Maroc. But of course on the passport, Puis il y a le nom Ben, Ben. Born in Fès, Tout ce qui est Ben, c'est Ben. And of course, as soon as they Alors, see the word Ben, ça. they get terrified. So they see that. Et ils me disent, ils me disent juste comme ça. And they just go like that. Alors je... Je vais, je suis le. So I follow. On me met dans un box avec des Sri Lankais. And I'm stuck in a room with some Sri Lankans. Pendant une heure. For about an hour. Pas, pas d'information. No information. Je me voyais déjà à Guantanamo. And I already saw ça, myself in Guantanamo. <rire> mais non, mais on vous dit rien. Hein, vous savez, But they don't say they just don't la say police américaine est terrible. Elle the American pas. police, the American police are dreadful. They just don't. Après, on m'appelle et on me dit. Then they called me and they said to me. Il dit, alors, comme j'étais déjà allé plusieurs fois aux États-Unis avec ma famille, alors ils me disent, euh, Amin Qui est Amin Je dis, c'est mon fils. Ils me disent, qui est Amin Et je dis, c'est mon fils. 
quelle est sa date de naissance said, his date of birth? Comme j'étais troublé, j'ai oublié la date de naissance de mon fils. Ben, C'est normal. J'ai quatre enfants, je ne connais pas par cœur leur date de naissance. Alors je me suis dit, si je ne réponds pas juste, <rire> Guantanamo vient Ils voyaient que je n'étais pas bien. Ils me disent... Alors il me dit, quel est votre métier me dit, mais vous êtes un écrivain marocain ou un écrivain français Are you a Moroccan writer or are you a French writer Ah, ça c'est une question. And I said, oh, well that's a question. J'ai nationalité française depuis 96. I've had French nationality since 96. Et en France, il euh, y a un mot magnifique pour quand lorsqu'on a sa nationalité de cette manière, quand on n'est pas né en France, on dit il est naturalisé. And there's a great word in French. They say when you haven't, you weren't born in France and you get your nationality in that way, you say he's naturalized, naturalisé. Et naturalisé. You don't say it in English. Naturalisé. Et en français, en anglais aussi, je crois, je ne sais pas. C'est empaillé aussi. Oh, empaillé means stuffed. En naturalisé, ça veut dire empaillé ah bon? en français. Voilà. Oh, well, apparently, naturalisé en français peut aussi mean empaillé, which means to be stuffed. Donc, à chaque fois qu'on me dit, de, de, je dis, je suis un afghan, mais empaillé en français. So I say, I'm an afghan, but I'm empaillé, stuffed. <laughs> Euh, donc, c'est marrant, comme tout à l'heure, Tahar a parlé justement de ses aventures, mes aventures dans, par rapport à la nationalité. Quel écrivain, par exemple, avant, avant mon livre Père de Patience, my book, the Stone, même si j'étais empaillé en, en tant que français, even if been as a person, mais on me considérait comme écrivain afghan. I was still Partout dans les critiques, c'était Attic, euh, écrivain afghan, etc. The uh, book critics would always say Attic, uh, Afghani writer. Quand le livre était sorti, And when the book came out, euh, en français, alors en ce moment, on a commencé à dire euh, écrivain franco-afghan. Then people started calling me a Franco-Afghan writer. <laughs> Et quand j'ai eu le prix Goncourt, on a commencé à dire l'écrivain français d'origine afghane. Donc, je ne sais plus. So I don't know. I don't know any longer, really. I mean, do, do, I mean, I'm curious. Do you think that's partly a matter of race? I mean, French French writers who are not originally from France, like I mean, Simonon would be an example, or Albert Camus became French. I mean, Camus is an Algerian writer, and now is being reclaimed by Algeria. And is it a matter of race? Do you think that someone like Mohamed Deeb is still seen as an Algerian writer, not as a French, not as a French writer, even though he wrote in French, or or Tahar Benjeloun? Moi, je pense qu'un écrivain, c'est sa langue. Ouais, a writer is his language, and that's all. On peut pas, parce que sinon, on rentre dans les histoires de douaniers, de flics et tout ça, d'où tu viens. Non, c'est la langue. On écrit en anglais, on est anglais. On écrit en français, on est écrivain en français. If you write in, in English, you're English. If you write in French, you're French. Because otherwise, you talk about customs officers so and all that kind of stuff. Where does that leave Beckett? Is Beckett a French writer or an Irish writer? Beckett, non. Beckett, il est irlandais et français. Beckett is Irish and French. Et alors, qu'est-ce qu'on dit de Kafka Alors, lui, il était, il était tchèque, écrivain en allemand. And Kafka was a Czech writer, writer writing in German. Et sur Ionesco. 
UNESCO roumain écrivant en français. And UNESCO roumain writing in French. Eh bien, donc on peut pas. C'est-à-dire que euh, quand on écrit toute son œuvre dans une langue, c'est cette langue qui donne la nationalité de l'écrivain et non pas du citoyen. When you write in a certain language, it's a language that will give the uh, nationality of the writer, but not of the citizen. That's different. Bah, bah, je vais donner un exemple. Euh, Avant-hier, j'étais invité à regarder le match de foot avec les Français. J'étais dans une salle avec des amis, enfin c'était une télévision qui nous invitait. Il y avait que des Français. Ils étaient désespérés. Moi, je m'en foutais. Moi, je ne me croyais pas que cette équipe me représentait moi personnellement. Hier, hier soir, j'ai regardé à la télévision Algérie. Anglais. And yes, last night I looked at Algeria, UK. Je ne connais rien au football. I don't know anything about football. Mais j'ai regardé les Algériens parce que je me dis quand même, c'est des voisins. I looked at the Algerians and I thought, well, they're neighbors, you know. Mais je me suis rendu compte que j'étais beaucoup plus motivé par le jeu algérien que le jeu français. And I realized I was much more interested in the Algerian game than the French game. Mais le football utilise beaucoup le nationalisme. But football uses mais, nationalism mais a great deal. Il y a une chose. Il y, a, il, y a, il y a Borges qui a écrit un texte magnifique. Borges wrote a wonderful book. Parce que nous a sommes, text. Moi aussi, je suis, je suis un peu scandalisé par l'énorme médiatisation du, du football et, 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 et les milliards Borges avait écrit. Il y avait un jour l'Argentine qui jouait avec. Euh, un tout, un, un tout petit pays, euh, ça devait être les Pays-Bas ou quelque chose comme ça. Oh, Argentina was playing against some very small country, I can't remember, it was Holland or some country of et, such kind. Et, 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 et les Pays-Bas avaient gagné l'Argentine. And Holland had won over Argentina. Et alors le lendemain, il a vu une, un titre, And there was a les Pays-Bas ont massacré l'Argentine. Uh, Holland massacred Argentina. Je dis, mais je suis massacré par les pays. And he thought, I've been massacred Vous by voyez Holland. un peu cette, cette, cette manière so you can see what dont, dont on utilise les éléments de nationalisme the way in which nationalism is used dans le football. Alors, football. il ne faut pas qu'on les utilise pour, les, pour la littérature. So la littérature, quand même, c'est plus noble que literature, le football. La littérature, après tout, est beaucoup plus noble que le football. Je pense, hein Je pense, en tout cas. Je je vais raconter une autre anecdote. Alors, c'est quand même curieux. Euh, euh, je, je, je figure dans, dans un dictionnaire euh, Larousse. Alors, mes enfants sont très contents parce qu'à chaque fois, ils, ils, ils montrent à leurs à leur copains, voilà, mon père est dans, la, est, dans, est dans le dictionnaire. And my kids are really happy because they say to their friends, et, look, my father's in the dictionary. Et alors, c'est le dictionnaire Larousse en français. And it's a Larousse français, French Et Larousse. alors, euh, un copain de mon dernier fils qui a 13 ans. So a friend of my uh, youngest son who's 13 dit, years old. Oui, mais ça, c'est un dictionnaire français. So, but yeah, but that's a French dictionary. Est-ce qu'il est, est, qu est dans un dictionnaire arabe? Is he also in Arab dictionary? Mon fils, mon fils ne parle pas arabe, il dit non, Alors son copain, pour l'embêter, lui dit, tu vois, so, ton père, il est français, mais il n'est pas marocain. Donc on ne peut pas s'en sortir. So Alors, c'est pour ça que moi j'ai tranché, 
Je suis un écrivain français. So I decided to make a je suis un citoyen français, je suis un citoyen marocain. Et si je pouvais être anglais, si je pouvais parler anglais, je serais anglais. Mais c'est trop tard à mon âge pour apprendre la langue. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for joining us for this London Review Bookshop event. For more, visit our website at www.londonreviewbookshop.co.uk or search for the London Review Bookshop on iTunes. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.